Jacob Chastain, I have a question for you. Yes. I'm not really sure what it's going to go or where it's going to go, but I was just thinking, um, you're on spring break, aren't you? Yes. Hey, actually, hold that thought for two seconds. Okay. I was making sure that it is your question. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> just double checking. It is. Well, what kind of things are you doing this spring break? Are you catching up? Are you writing? Are you are you, are you being a principal? Because I've noticed that your social media is a little up. Are you just doing whatever. What's going on? It's a lot. Spring of break as an administrator. I've never been there. Well, I mean, it's fine. Honestly, it's it's been a good break. We had a work day right before break so i got some stuff done that i needed to do so i'm really not doing principal stuff um i've had to handle a few things but honestly i've just been like i've uh like today i went and visited our softball and baseball people said hi to the coaches said hi to the players talked to some kids that were there always fun to go out and see people doing what they love and enjoying all of that it's one of the perks of being administrators, you know, just showing up, you know, I think it, I think it says a lot about just the, who's, who's being paid attention to, et cetera, et cetera. And I think kids doing a lot of this stuff in sports and the extra time a lot of the coaches put into, I think it's, it goes underappreciated often. So I try to show up when I can. I know my principal, she was at a, our weightlifting uh, competition that was today. And oh. I gotta tell you, some of these high school kids, oh my, they're so strong. Like, I don't even understand and we have wow. a girl who is like, I think she broke a record today by squatting like over 600 pounds. Are you serious? Yeah. Like insanity. God be crushed. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, I couldn't even, I'm like squat like 200 and I cry. So, um, <clears throat> in any case, so stuff like that has kept me busy. And then we're just doing a lot of home stuff. I, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm in a, a weird transition of, you know, planning, just kind of the next phase, you know what I mean? Because it's it's spring break. We have 11, 10 weeks-ish of school left. Um, summer's coming up. I don't have as long of a summer. I am going to go to a principal's convention, TASP, down in Houston with some of my fellow assistant principals. Um, and I'm going to present, I think, in Alito again for round two. So a lot of that stuff is percolating in my brain, just getting acclimated to what this summer is going to look like. It's going to be a little different. Um, and truly just kind of looking at everything and, and trying to maximize everything that's happened. You mentioned social media. We're talking about a little bit off the air. You know, I've had some success showing some clips of stuff on Instagram, which has been nice. I have a drumming video that is for some reason catching fire on the internet with me and a kid drumming. Um, that's been doing very well. And it's always interesting to see that stuff because, um, I put out a lot of content and 99% of it just gets overlooked. And so it's always <laughs> nice when something catches, but I mean, it's been, a, it's been a good break. I feel like I'm just in this weird, I've, I've said this a few episodes ago where I just feel like I'm in like this weird transition period and my, so much stuff is in flux. And so I'm trying to hold on to the positive and let go of the negative and move on into new horizons. So I don't know. I don't know if that's really an answer, but that's where my mind is. All right. Well, 
Welcome, everybody, to Crafting Draft. I'm Pam Ochoa. That's Jacob Chastain. We're here on spring break, as we told you last. Didn't we tell them that we'd be on spring break? Probably. But I don't think, but this is our first time to even talk to each other. So I was wondering what you were doing because uh, you hadn't bothered to get a hold of me until today. You know, sometimes spring it break's almost. Oh, yeah. Well, it's almost over. It is not. It's Wednesday. You're hey, fine. Hey, hey, it is almost over as far as I'm concerned. Oh, now God. I'm like trying to see what all I can still get done. Anyway, welcome, everybody. Go ahead, Jacob. <laughs> what are we going to talk about today? Where <laughs> I keep going for it. That's okay. That's, that's what this podcast is going to be, ladies and gentlemen. This is just going to be one of those. I, honestly, these are my favorites, but we're going to meander through. We, we were kind of going back and forth to some stuff. We have a bonus episode that we're going to record that has some specific questions that we want to answer from our Patreon people. So if you are listening to this now, uh, you need to jump over there to our Patreon and support us. And that way you can jump in with some questions and whatnot. Ask us some specific stuff. Just like other Patreon supporters do. But today we're talking about the small things. Do we sweat the small things? What are the small things? What do you consider small that I might consider a big thing or vice versa? We're going to have that discussion today and see where that goes. I have a feeling All right. things that I think are small or what a lot of teachers don't think are small. So we're <laughs> going to find out if everyone listening decides to hate me after this episode. But if you are someone <laughs> who decides to support us, you're one of our Patreon supporters. We have several of y'all over there, and they're the reason this podcast exists. They are Alicia, Brandy, Leah, Mark, Amy, Sarah, Rebecca, Courtney, Carol, Melissa, Destiny, Lori, Natalie, Susan, Tracy, Andrea, Hannah, Lori, Jen, and Matt, they all support this show. They all benefit. They get bonus episodes, bonus training, bonus access to us, and so much more. Just like you can. So go over there to Patreon so you can support us. If you don't have money to toss our way, that is okay. Subscribe so you don't miss any other episode. Drop an episode every single Friday. We try to hit an hour. Sometimes it's 45 minutes. Sometimes it's over an hour. We love answering right. questions. So if you want to jump in, ask a question, or just hang out with two educators who love reading and writing workshop, then you are in the right place. But without further ado, let's get to the conversation. Artie, Miss Ochoa, the small things. Do you consider yourself a persnickety person? Persnickety? Persnickety? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it was your question today. <laughs> persnickety? What is it? What? Where did that come from? Oh, my God. <laughs> do, you, do you know what that means? Per- I guess I don't. Okay, so look, persnickety. I think it's kind of cranky. Placid, too much emphasis on trivial or minor, minor <laughs> details. Fussy. That's what I thought, fussy. Yeah, I can't believe you even put me in the... Now I'm getting I fussy. I'm I getting didn't, a little persnickety over I didn't this. say you were. I asked <laughs> if you were. Oh, 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 oh. Um, no, as a matter of fact, some people are persnickety about the fact that I'm not mm. always overwhelmed by the small things, to be honest. Um, I, I know that, um, there's been lots of times over my career where I have to actually help somebody calm down over, um, the fact that they're trying to control stuff and they can't get it all controlled. I think to me, that's something that, um, I think I see that a lot is that people, you know, they get overwhelmed and it's real easy in our job to get overwhelmed really fast. And so you have to like, what what's the saying? Don't sweat the small stuff. So you got to figure out what it is that you need to pay attention to. And 
what you sometimes just have to let go. And uh, so I guess maybe that's what we're going to be talking about. It is actually. And so I, but no, on, I, wanna, I don't, I I don't think I'm this. persnickety. What are you diving into? I want, I want to dive into the conversation around how people have been upset because you're not persnickety that you don't care. Cause I, I think this is where we find our kindred spiritness is that <laughs> you and yeah. I are not the most detailed oriented human beings on the planet. Mm-mm. We we're big thinkers. We don't really care about some of the smaller things. And so I just want to know, like, it's a challenge because there's a lot of type a people in education well and and there are things that i'm type a about but i'm not type a about everything so i think it just depends uh type a type b type whatever i I don't know what i am uh, exactly because i think i'm what we need at the moment does that make sense like i have been able over the years depending on what had to be done be able to do all the little details and make sure they're all you know all taken care of and i mean when with that that year i had five preps you know i i, I didn't have time to see anybody because the the time was so I, I needed to take advantage of every second that I had. And so I, but I was able to do it. And um, we were told that we had to call parents every two weeks. And I mean, that was almost impossible. We had to turn in a a document showing how we had to call them. And we didn't even have email during that time. I mean, email was just starting out, really. So we did have it at that moment, but it was just starting out. So the phone calls, what you had. And um, that was, that was, um, that was a pretty hard year, but it was probably the year I actually learned how to manage being a, a real teacher. You know what I mean? Where I'm, but no, I, I, what what I'm saying is people get they get tied up sometimes in those small little details to the point that the details overtake their entire life. And if something goes wrong, and what I mean by going wrong is okay, you you plan this lesson. You've planned your observation. We talked about observation a few weeks ago. You've got everything down to the T and you time everything. I mean, I've seen, that's not me, but you time everything, right? You got it all. This is going to take this many seconds. And then I'm going to let them, you know, transition this long. And this is, you know, and then they're going to get up and do that. You know, you have everything planned out. And then next thing you know, we're having a lockdown drill that they, it was a surprise because they didn't want anybody to know about it. And now you've lost 30 minutes of a class because, you know, they have to make sure, you know, the police are there, et cetera. They're all walking around, you know, and you're sitting there trying to keep your kids quiet. They're all like flipping out and you're, you know, trying to keep them calm. And all you can think about is my schedule is now off. That is difficult to deal with. So that's me. I'm pretty flexible and that doesn't really bother me that much. So if I'm planning with the team and that doesn't bother me, I'm like, well, okay, we didn't get that done. Then people get a little like, why aren't you upset by it? You need to be upset by this, you know? And I'm like, I don't really care. I'm not that upset about it because this happens every year. You should get used to it by now. I don't know. That's my thinking. I think that that last point you just made the, 
like people upset because you're not upset and then you'd be in like, I don't know, it's always the same thing. I feel like there's so much of that in teaching, like the the uh-huh. the interruptions, the assemblies, the et cetera, et cetera. It's like, I mean, you what do you really do? You get mad at something that's been a part of education forever. Like there's a reason people make fun of it. Like uh-huh. it's there's always gonna be an interruption. There's always something, but it's I don't yeah. know. I've just never like even when we're trying to hit like a major deadline of something like a test or, you know, trying to get through a, a chunk of curriculum or something like that. Like it, I don't know. I feel like that stuff is the small stuff. It's like, we're all going to get there. Eventually we're going to hit the finish line. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. now and I don't want to disregard, you know, like going through and doing tests at the same time, all of that stuff is valid and we should all aim to do that. But I'm talking about like when, when you don't have control over that, when something messes up or a mm-hmm. lesson goes too long or, you know, whatever you get sick with COVID and you're out for a week and a half. Like, I mean, all right. that stuff. You never know. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not really worth the anxiety, but I understand some people just can't really get over it, but I think that's what happens with a lot of stuff. And I, I think you're, <laughs> you're honestly the queen of this in a lot of ways, because we've made jokes on the podcast that you, <laughs> you know, a kid will say something, all of a sudden it becomes a 45 minute lesson in your class. And somehow you end up back where you're supposed to the next day. Oh and yeah. It, you know, it might make the outsiders last seven months, but it, it you get a lot of lessons in during that process. <laughs> That's true. Well, the funny thing is, is, you know, that'll be the day that's, you know, when something like that happens, that's when somebody from admin walks in and then they walk into the next person and they're like, y'all aren't on the same page. And I'm like, dude, I just had a teachable moment. I, I just think that teachable moments are a big deal. I don't think they're a small matter. And if that child is ripe right then at that moment for me to pour a little water on him so he'll blossom, I'm all for that. So if a child needs me, a student, whatever, it doesn't matter. When I say child, I'm talking about at any age. Um, But if that moment is there, I don't want to throw it away because that's that one time when your brain is ready to learn, they're finally interested in it. Well, I don't want to lose that moment. So, but some people will just, well, we don't have time for that right now. Let's let, we got it. My schedule's more important. And I don't know. I mean, that's, I'm not trying to downplay those people because they have so many more talents than I do in some areas. You know, we've worked with people that are just like that. What they do works for them. And it's, and it's pretty mesmerizing when you go into their room and you can see them just work that, you know, work it and it, and it just is beautiful. So, I mean, I'm not downplaying the people that are like type A and I mean, we need everybody. We need everybody like that. But sometimes I have been known to sit there and uh, one, one, I, one thought comes to my mind. It was um, another teacher and her, the whole world just seemed to have just ended. And she looked at me and goes, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I'm like, well, you're going to take a deep breath. And you're going to continue and we're going to do it this way. You got to start here. You know, what, what, what's the main purpose of your lesson today? Let's make sure no matter what we get that done. And then the rest of it's all gravy, but, 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 but it's not what it's not. I'm like, I know it, the printer is broken. There's nothing we can do, you know, let's work it out this way. I mean, so that's just one example. I, I have others, but anyway, I don't know. I think I went on a rabbit trail somewhere. So 
That's okay. Let's get a spec. I mean, I think that's what, I mean, truthfully, you just kind of modeled what it's like to get obsessed over small things <laughs> because it's, it literally is. It's like descending into like this thought pattern. And honestly, you know what I think it comes from? And this might be a little too philosophical for, you know, being 16 minutes into the podcast. Usually we save the <laughs> philosophical conversations for the end. But it, truthfully, I think it comes from like a, a place of like worry, insecurity. And I don't mean like insecure, like insecure in your own self. I mean like insecure is in like what is happening next, what's happening tomorrow, what's happening later that week. I think that's where a lot of people start focusing on the small things because the small things are usually controllable, right? Like mm-hmm. it's like, oh my God, I had this kid that won't, uh, that, you know, they won't sit down or something like that. Right. That's something mm-hmm. that is ideally controllable. So you hyper fixate on something. Right. Um, or anything like that. I, so I think it comes from almost like a protective way. You start focusing on small details in order to almost like protect your peace, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I, that's, I don't know, maybe that's a personal experience that I'm trying to make bigger, but I feel like that's what I do. Like if I'm really, really stressed or something or overwhelmed, a lot of the times I just like clean, right? Because I know I can tackle that and ev- right. but everything becomes a problem, right? I, I notice all the flaws in my house. I notice all the things that need to happen <laughs> at once. Right. And it becomes this overwhelming type of deal, but ultimately it makes me feel better because I accomplished something. I don't know. Do you, do you feel like that's why people hyper-focus on smaller things? I don't know if we're going too philosophical on this one, but. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 while you were talking, I was thinking sometimes I become hyper-focused on something because I feel like that's what my principal or administration is wanting me to do. For example, you had said to me one time, if you just keep, cause I was worried about me not being good enough for your campus. Right. Remember? And you said, if you can just keep them in your seats, that's already a win. So I am like hyper-focused. I'm always having my kids in my seat. Get in your seat. Get in your seat. <laughs> At least when people walk by, they're in their seats. <laughs> so it's like, why are you up? Why are you up? And I have to be very careful about that because in another school where it was not that big a deal and we didn't have windows, <laughs> I didn't care. They were up. When they needed to be, I had a, a publishing table. They got up when they needed to, <laughs> but because we now have windows where we teach, right? Where I teach and everybody can look in and they're like, and I've already had some difficult students, right? So everybody thinks as if I can at least keep them in their chairs, at least they think it's controlled. <laughs> that's hyper focus on something that's probably small. That is true. And I'm though. good at that. <laughs> You know, that's what that that's so funny. You say that I've, I'm pretty sure I've told the story about, uh, you know, when we had these really big walks, uh, it's like my fourth year of teaching, I think, um, mm-hmm. one of my, one of my best years, um, when things were really clicking and we had all of these like district people in there. Right. And they were all in there for like a specific purpose. And so what I did is I made a conscious choice to do something really interactive, but I forced the kids to also bring in the adults. And I was like, all right, you see all those adults in the back corner, grab one of them and pull them into your, into your group. Right. Oh my goodness. And it was hilarious, but it, it, it worked with flying colors because, uh, 
they really weren't focused on the other parts of the lesson that weren't going incredibly well. But the, the main part that I needed was I needed the discussion. I needed the, the team building, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it worked. And so when they walked out, they were very positive about it or whatever, but I, you know, it's, it's just, I don't know. I, I know, the, like when I walk into a classroom, I love reassuring teachers. I'm like, Hey, I know like life isn't perfect. Like kids come in, they're in a mood, you're in a mood. Like not every lesson is the rock star lesson. Like the day in and day out grind of teaching is not Instagram worthy videos. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I try to honor those things by telling people, but I know not everyone does that. Like I know there's people that do walks and they really expect you know, things just to look a certain way and it's just unrealistic. And so I, I like seeing classes like when they're just kind of normal, right? When you got a couple mm-hmm. kids off task and a teacher's trying to get something done and they have to redirect. Like, I like that stuff because that, that, that's the meat and potatoes of something, right? It's the, mm-hmm. just the, the daily in and out of what teaching is. Um, I think that's really fascinating. And I, so that's why I like when we talk about like small stuff, it's like, I don't know. I, I think anyone who knows what they're doing doesn't sweat the small stuff during observations. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, they probably don't. But I think, I think um, experience does have a lot to, to play. I think in that area, um, as far as like not sweating the small stuff, so to speak, because you've already sweated all the small stuff. <laughs> And it didn't matter. So so now it's like, oh, well, I'm just going to be who I am. This is who I am today. And hopefully it'll all go well. So, so yeah, I think sometimes, but also with experience, you, you get your system down and you start trusting the process better. I, I think that probably helps me more than anything is I'm, I'm pretty grounded well, I feel like I'm really grounded in the idea of, of reading and writing. And I have very strong, I mean, if you, I'm very strong in how I think it needs to be done, to be honest. And I've got, so I know it's going to work. What, where, um, and what I mean by that is the process. I know that the way I go about it, I've done it so much that I have confidence in no matter what we do, it's going to work. I've got kids who'll write pages that somebody else can't get them to write two sentences. You know what I mean? I get kids that come from other classes and I'm like, okay, writing time. And they only write like two, two or three sentences. And I'm like, no, we write a lot more than that. Look around. And everybody's like, and they're looking around going, how'd you get that whole page already? I'm only on my, you know, so it's, it's an expectation that I have. But the way that I I get the kids to read, the way I get them to write, uh, it just works. And I know it will. And so because of that, I don't, you're right. I don't, I don't panic, I guess, if, if an administrator is coming in anymore, there probably was a time, there was a time where, where I did. Um, But I do think, I mean, I do have a system and we've talked about it before. And that is, you know, when the kids come in, they either read or they write, they, I give my mini lesson. Um, the mini lesson may look different depending on what it is I need to get done. And then I give them reading and writing time depending on, and and I alternate that. So if I start off with reading, then they, they end with writing time. And then once they get their writing done, then they can go back to reading. I think you're a little more flexible that way. But if I do reading, 
uh, then I end with writing. Now, at a different school, the reason I'm doing that this year is because these particular students need that. So I change based on what I think the students need. And um, but I feel confident in that no matter how I choose to go about it, it's going to work out. And these and I don't really worry about the the principles. However, I, I did have um, a, a walk through the other day and I was talking to the kids about their data. And I was actually doing my thing where I bring them up to my desk. So it looks like I'm just sitting. So that I'm like, but dude, I got up and explained what I was doing. So maybe, maybe I get a little nervous, but because I, it just looked like I was sitting there, but I was actually conferring with a student and talking about their test results and what we need to do next time for that individual student while everybody else was working. Everybody was doing something. It's just, I wasn't up and I think sometimes I'll find myself standing up because people um, come into the classroom they expect you to be see, uh, standing the whole time it seems like you know if you're standing then you're teaching but if you're sitting then you're not teaching and that's not necessarily true because I was sitting and I was at my desk because that's where my computer was the bigger screen was there so I could show him his results but I think from an outsider who doesn't know my system, it would look like I'm just sitting at my desk while everybody's doing whatever they wanted. So, but I feel confident because I know what I do works and I can explain it. I mean, I know why I'm doing what I'm doing. So that helps. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I've like gone on walks and I know I see teachers sitting or something. I just go stand next to them and listen to what they're saying. Right. I mean, that's how you mm -hmm. know if what, if what's happening is supposed to be good. Like if they're sitting there and just answering email or doing whatever, that's bad. But if they're talking to kids or talking about data, they're conferring, they're doing whatever. Mm -hmm. That's all. There's nothing different than that than a teacher table necessarily. And so um, I think that's good. I think that's another small thing that probably gets overemphasized by admin. Um, and even, you know, people know I love Ron Clark, like, even Ron has said, like, there's no desk in classrooms because he wants his teachers always to be standing. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's an interesting concept. And it's a it's a fun little quirk. But realistically, it doesn't really make sense. Right. Like, <laughs> you yeah, can, I mean, you can teach sitting the same way you can teach moving around a room. Yeah, I mean, some of my best teaching has been sitting at the, you know, under at, at, at let's go back to the old, old days on the overhead showing them how to write. I mean, I'm sitting on that tall, tall desk, my tall, I have a tall chair. It's actually in my den that fits me perfectly. Cause you know, I had, I had hurt my back years ago. And so there's certain chairs I cannot sit in. And so this one fits me perfectly. And after my surgeries and stuff. And so I would have to actually sit in order to teach. So but some of the my best lessons I did was while I was sitting in that chair. And then when I moved to this, not not your school, you know, when I moved there, but the other school, when I got back into teaching, I wanted to bring my chair and they wouldn't let me. No, we can't have that chair because we have to be, you know, we can't, we have to have our furniture. We can't have anything from you. And I'm like, okay, but I mean, I really need it physically. No, because you need to be standing. You know what I'm saying? And so at that school, I was never sitting. I couldn't sit because they would come in and ask me why I was sitting. But I still did anyway, but that's okay. That's between you, me, and the world. 
just you know, I'm, I mean, I, I'm a pretty mobile human. Uh, mm-hmm. And I like moving around the classroom, and I think it's super fun. But uh, there's also been years where, like, especially during COVID, like, I had a little rolling stool that I just kind of went from table to table. Yeah, that. yeah I've done um, that. I think there's I think there's a lot of ways that's 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 mm-hmm. definitely a small thing. You know, I think the more important thing is what is the teacher doing with the kids wherever right. they're at like that. That would be the more important detail of of a classroom setting rather than just looking at uh, where the teacher is physically. But, you know, that that's a good kind of point to lead into my chair is really creaky i'm sorry about that for podcasts oh, my creaks i'm sorry about this too now yeah, i know i need to i need to i don't know how some of these podcasts have smooth chairs let me just put oil and everything um the other one is i guess with like kind of i think another one that people really hyper focus on specifically in workshop i'll take this the reading route first because i feel like i can talk to the writing route more but like a kid yeah. not reading for like the whole reading time like getting distracted like i don't you Um, feel like that's a really small one people get way too obsessive over yeah i think so and i've been guilty of that as well but um sure that's why i'm saying it because i've definitely been there well i mean you know of course like i told you i i on more than one occasion i've worked with all glass wind all glass total glass wall and um and when you're doing that you got to really know what your administrators expect because they're walking by, everybody's walking by all the time and everybody can look in. It's not like they, it's, I mean, they don't even have to, you know, work on it. But the point is if they, if they look in there and they see this kid, everybody's reading. And then this one kid's just doodling, doing something else, you know, not really reading at that moment, then it's really hard not to get up and go, Hey, I need you reading. You know what I mean? And so there's, so a lot of times what I do with that is, is I'll go ask them, you know, I might say, so, uh, Jacob, are are you reading that book? What book are you reading? Tell me about it. And then if they say, oh, well, I said, oh, okay. So what's going on right now then? Well, I'm thinking about blah, blah, blah. Oh, okay. So have you read any part of it yet? You know, so I kind of turn it into a little conference and then find out what they're doing. But you're right. But I don't think there's anything that I don't do that all the time. You know, sometimes they're just finished the book or they finished a page and they don't want to go to the next one because they don't want to start the next chapter until tomorrow because they ended that chapter. And that's what they would tell me, that kind of thing. And uh, anyway, I walk around while they're reading. I also read while they're reading. Sometimes I sit and read. So that's that's another very, but yeah, I think you're right. I think, I think we over go sometimes get over the top on that that kids have to be doing physically looking at them and doing something 20 the whole time and that's not necessarily the case well and that's so this is really interesting Uh, this i Mm -hmm. don't know if i've ever talked about so i'm going to move to writing for instance just for an example but we can stay on reading but so i had a back and forth with my editor of rightfully empowered because i was trying to write about what writing is outside of writing. Like that was a clear decision I was trying to think about. Um, And ultimately, I don't know if I ever got to where I wanted to go. I feel like I'm still maturing in my thinking on this, but the, we, we had the conversation of what I was going to define writing as, because there's chunks of that book where I talk about writing as 
thinking, as communicating, as talking, as processing. Like I consider all of that a part of the writing process, which goes, what triggered that thought was you saying, I don't, just because someone's not doing something physically doesn't mean they're not making progress on something. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I think the more complex the task, the more you have to honor kind of the invisible rigor, so to speak. And I think that's what we ignore in writing because it's, Reading, you can see if a kid is doing it, right? You can see if they have the book open. You can see if they're making page progress. Mm -hmm. Writing is interesting because it's it's not an input. It's an output. And so you have to trust the process. You have to talk to kids enough to know that they're thinking through something. I mean, heck, I've had kids not write something for two weeks, but they could tell me they're thinking through something. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they vomit it all out. And write something amazing, right? There's also kids who would do that and they would lie, right? They pretend like they were thinking about something. And when it came time to produce, they couldn't. And so it became on me to be able to kind of decipher who were the kids who could do that? Who were the kids doing that? But it was also just entrusting the process. And I think there is an invisible element to creation that isn't honored in schools all the time. And that's, I would blame mainly the time restraints, standardized testing, stuff like that, that doesn't really honor those aspects of being a human, but truly being a creative person trying to write, most of your time is spent thinking. Oh, yeah. Most of your time is wrestling with, okay, so I wrote this sentence. Is this really what I want to say? And then you go, okay, does that what I want to believe? And then you go act and you edit. And there's, it's a whole metacognitive aspect which is why we say all the time that writing is one of the most rigorous activities you can ever assign to a kid especially choice writing um but that i think is one of the small things is like okay well you know i i like linda reeves model of saying you know you'll you'll draft roughly two to five pages of rough draft a week and that's how i'll know if you're making writing progress right um but if you don't do that, then I should have other methods of judging whether you're actually moving forward. Can you talk about your idea moving forward? Do you have an outline? Have you written anything? Have you drafted? Are you editing? Are you thinking through something? Are you changing your ideas? All of that is valuable data for the writing workshop teacher. Mm -hmm. But a lot of that is hard to capture if you're not talking with your kids enough and if you're not... If you're trying to get a product at all times, right? Products are good. We need products. We have to grade them. We have to get a kid to finish stuff. But the product isn't always the end goal of the day, right? right. Or the lesson. Sometimes the end goal of the lesson is to get them just to think differently about something or to get them to understand a concept so the next day you can go deeper. And I think that is where we get lost in the weeds a little bit in lesson design is we start really focusing on the the I guess the small details like producing enough words, et cetera, et cetera. When really what I should be doing is do you understand this concept enough to be able to write within it, to be able to read your book within it? Um, and that that's hard to coach. Like that is an incredible like even like me talking about it, I feel like I spent five minutes do like doing that and I really didn't unpack it enough because there's there's so there's so many mental processes going into just teaching and learning a skill like creation, like writing, um, that it, it really does. I don't know. It's just difficult to communicate about. I don't know. Yeah. Um, 
Exactly. I, I think too, there's, um, if you do it enough, you can kind of tell, you know, when the student's actually frozen, can't think of anything, but is thinking, trying to figure something out. I mean, so there's, those all have a little bit of a different look to them as well. One of the things though, again, and you know me, I, I fall on this idea of listing. So when they get stuck, yeah, I'll go, like you said, I go and talk to them, find out why, why are they just sitting there? If they're thinking about it, um, well, I'm trying to think of an idea. Oh, okay. So what, what kind of ideas are going through your mind right now? And so, you know, I do that and say, okay, why don't you list some more stuff about that one idea? Uh, you know, pick one of those ideas you just shared with me and let's list some things you know about those ideas already before looking anything up. Well, then the next thing you know, they start writing because they're, they're at least doing something, you know? And so sometimes I, I do that to help them. Uh, sometimes if they've been producing things, then I kind of just leave them alone for a little while and let them think. But if they, if they're that student that just, like you said, they're kind of faking it or they're not, they're stuck and they can't think of anything and they go, Oh no, I'm just thinking. And then, cause it is hard to tell. Um, if anything, um, if they have that list, then at least I can give them credit for writing something down if if they're one of those. But those are the ones that if they have a difficult time, I make sure I kind of go in there and I use that listing. Listing seems to really help them a lot during in those moments of being stuck. Does that make sense? And so that's something I do uh, when I have that. But um but yeah, I think I think a lot of times we don't recognize that they have that time that they have to think. And we say it though, don't we? I mean, they always say, give you think time. I have been I have been in places where they go, uh, well, one comes to mind, and I know I've shared this before, at least I think I have. Uh years ago years ago when I was um first starting out as an academic coach, one of I think one of the things that I do well is wait time. Because uh, I'll wait until the answer, and because whoever's whoever's the one creating the wait time has the power. So <laughs> at least that's what I think. So I ask my question and I wait. Well, um, that wait time is think time, right? And so I was modeling it for a teacher, and I'm like, okay, I asked my question. And he got nervous that his kids weren't answering fast enough, but they were actually thinking about the answer. They were trying to figure it out. And he he jumps in there. Oh, come on, guys. It's And he gives them the an, an answer. And this girl looks up at me and she goes, you wanted us to answer that, didn't you? I said, yes, I did. But uh, so anyway, so... So that wait time seems like a small thing that we overlook, but it's actually a big thing that doesn't need to be overlooked. And so, but we panic when there's silence in the room, we panic. And so anyway, I've learned that wait time uh, is think time, but we say it, we say, oh, we need to read, write, think, make sure you think, but we don't give them any time. They'll sit there and say, okay, y'all need to be thinking about it. All right, everybody, what have you thought about? And I mean, it's like, it's not even a full 30 minutes, a second sometimes, you know what I mean? So um, to me, wait time is an area that I think some people don't understand its impact. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I've had, so there's a funny story. Uh, there's a girl who I had her in sixth grade. She was hilarious and awesome and intelligent, but she needed to learn some things and she crossed boundaries every once in a while in terms of, you know, just how abrasive she was about certain topics. Mm-hmm. Uh, she did great, but I remember a moment where I literally sat in wait time for like 10 minutes because she was oh, so, wow. she was so arrogant about an answer. And I wanted to, I wasn't trying to punish her. What I was trying to get her to realize is that she still has something to learn. Right. And so I waited and the learning wasn't that she didn't know it. The learning was that she hadn't refined her knowledge of the concept to talk about it the way I was trying to get them to talk about it. Does that make sense? So, mm-hmm. I was trying to get that out of her and we waited forever. And I had kids being like, Justine, she doesn't know. And I'm like, give her time, let her process. And then she eventually gave me the answer. That kid ended up not being in honors the next year, but being, she ended up being incredible ended up being honors eighth grade, which she is now still, um, or no, she's in, she's a freshman now, but she, uh, <clears throat> she kind of, took that as a as hit on the chin, so to speak, my class, but then really worked hard to do it. And I think it's because truthfully, I held her to a standard that a mm-hmm. lot of people weren't because she was smart. She was very intelligent. Uh, she had a great personality, but she just used a lot of that in literally the wrong way. Like it just, right. and I was like, I'm not going to let you do this. I was like, you're way too intelligent of a young lady. Uh, to kind of descend into this negative aspect of intelligence, right? Because there's like, you know, we know this. There's intelligence that really lends itself to fruitful conversation. There's intelligence where you're just kind of an arrogant butthole and no one likes you, right? Um, And so my work with her and, and that wait time and really forcing her to think, I think it was, I think it was one of the most beneficial things ever. And I feel like we skip over that wait time because like you said, it's very scary to have silence mm-hmm. in a classroom. It's very scary, especially if there's people in there to ask a question and no one has the answer. Oh yeah. I've done that. And you're like, Oh my God, they're judging me. But that's, it's so funny though, because that's learning. You're not going to have having the answers means you've already learned it. Well, that's a good point. That's a good point. And so I think that's what's interesting is I think that sometimes our questions come from a place of wanting to verify they learned something, which is fine. I think there's a place for that. Right. You need to assess whether they got some something out of it, you know. Mm-hmm. But there's also a lot of questions that I feel like don't need that. We need to ask questions that make kids stumped. And you can be like, all right, talk with your group for three minutes. Go. What oh, yeah. And I, I think that's that's overlooked often. It, it is. Yeah. Well, there was one one time and I know I shared this last year, two years ago, probably. But um, this kid, she was I just always remember it because she's like, Miss Ochoa, you're questions oh my gosh are you really getting us to think today i mean she made that comment right she was a gt student and that was one of the things well then later on they were making us all be on the same page this is not at your the school that you and i worked for but it was another school and um we all had to be exactly and so they were watching us to make sure that we were in the right place and uh so the questions i had to use for that lesson was not ones that I created. It was somebody else created them. So here I am asking the question. So I'm being a good little teacher doing what I'm told. 
And that same girl later on goes, I mean, while I was asking the new questions, goes, these are not your questions. <laughs> she knew immediately they were not my questions. She goes, we already know the answer to these. So I'll ask your old questions. <laughs> so even the students know it was kind of, but they enjoyed that thinking. The students like to think they like to feel smart. They like to uh, work a problem. Um, some of them, they act out because they're not used to doing it. Because if you wait long enough as a student, the teacher is going to get frustrated and go ahead and give you the answer most of the time. So, so you want to, so, you know, some of those kids like that, they wait for the answer and then, ah, they get it. They write it down and that's how they're able to make it through. And then next thing you know, when they get a teacher that makes them think like what you're talking about with your your person, they're um, they're stumped. They don't know what to do. They start crying. They have breakdowns. They they've never had to work through a problem. This happens a lot with the GT students because they're so stinking smart that they don't have to think through a difficult problem. So yeah, I think your questions are very important, and that wait time, that think time, is very important. Here's another one. I have. I want to bring this up if you don't mind. Do you have to have a PowerPoint in order to have a good lesson? <laughs> wow. I don't think so. Why are you asking that? Oh, because the other day I was told that if I had a PowerPoint, then this would help my class a little bit better. And I needed to go ahead and use that PowerPoint. Well, I don't, you know me, I write on my board. I don't use a PowerPoint anymore because that's where I'm not type A. <laughs> but my other two colleagues that I work with, they're really good. And they are, they're, they, they have their PowerPoints and all that already. And they, anyway, they're cute. They look really cute and they, they, you know, they have the stuff on them uh, anyway. So do you have to have a PowerPoint? No. <laughs> Does anybody out there feel like they have to have a PowerPoint or they I can't mean, have I a use, lesson? I use the PowerPoint. Um, or a Google, you know, a Google no, whatever uh, yeah, Google presentation. Slide. No, I used a PowerPoint pretty regularly up until, I don't know, literacy coaching, I guess, because I, I did so much modeling in the journal. And then we did craft and draft, which really doesn't lend itself to a PowerPoint. Right, right. You're kind of walking through the lesson in a journal. Um, and so I, I, I don't know. But I mean, to answer your question, I mean, do our PowerPoints bad? No. Do people no, overuse them? Probably. Or does it? Is it an essential part of a lesson? <laughs> no. Like <laughs> I just. <laughs> it's just that's such a funny claim. <laughs> well, I'm just. Anyway. I don't, I'm going to, I'm going to resist. That's okay. <laughs> I'm just telling you right now, I'm about to resist. <laughs> Our, that, that's the funny part about all of this too, right? Is it's like, uh -huh. and it happens at a district wide level, right? So let's go, yes. big. let's go macro yeah. is, is we decide as a district, something needs to happen. And then everyone says, okay, this is what good teaching is. And then everyone groans because it's like, yeah, sure, this is good. Like a word wall is fine, but is a word wall the be all end all of learning? No. 
I mean, even for stuff that we love, right? Patterns of Power. Is it awesome? Absolutely. Is Jeff Anderson a whiz and all of his co-writers? A hundred percent. Does it need to be used every day? Absolutely not. Like it's, <laughs> it doesn't need to be this be all end all. Right. And I, I think right. that, I mean, to really put a capstone on the conversation around what matters, what doesn't. I mean, most things don't matter. It, like, in all honesty, <laughs> like, it sounds weird to say, I guess, but it's also like, what what really does matter? What you need to teach for the day, how you're going to know if kids learned it, and then what are you going to do if they didn't learn it? Those are the only three questions you should well, ever ask. I think there's one more. Okay. If we want to do DeFore. Sure. <laughs> That sounds like DeFore to I'm me. I'm pretty there. Did I, did I skip a question? <laughs> Correct me, Ocho. The fourth one is, what are you going to do if they know it? Ah, there you go. How do you That's extend? <laughs> there you go. I just thought I'd, you know, add that. But anyway, go ahead. Keep going. I didn't mean to interrupt you too much. Um. So those questions are the ones you need to ask. Yeah. In a lesson, I mean, that, what I mean, else matters that, in a lesson? That that's what matters. Everything else gets encompassed into that, right? Maybe right. a PowerPoint helps that. Maybe craft and draft helps that. Maybe workshop setting helps that. Maybe a lot of direct teaching helps that. It matters what you're trying to teach. And I think that, you know, we just had a review that you and I looked at where they were talking about, you know, us talking about the science of reading and workshop and kind of bridging the gap between these. I think this yeah. is this is the sweet spot that isn't talked about because it's not sexy, right? This is not a sexy sales pitch to say, well, there's nuance to everything. Do what works like there's because there's so much more to that. It's also how do you know what works? Are you standards aligned? Are you is your task aligned to the standard? Are you using your data Are you using your data to drive instruction? Are you comparing your data to other teachers? other schools, other districts. Like are there's there's so many things wrapped up in that that to boil it down really limits it. And it's not as easy as, oh well, follow the science. Okay. What does the science say about this specific scenario with this group of 25 kids with all of these needs? Guess what? Science doesn't have a direct answer for that. You have to have an answer for that as the professional in the classroom. Guess what? You probably don't know the answer to that. So guess what? You need to work with people to come up with great answers, come up with ways to measure your success or failure and move forward inch by inch. That's what teaching is. And that whole answer is not sellable in a tweet. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> That's true. And if I tried, I would get crucified on the, on the altars of Twitter because everyone would misinterpret what I said. They would, they would say, Oh, you're saying this. You're saying this. No, I'm not. I'm saying teaching's hard. Be a professional is what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway. Oh, well, that's true. It is hard. And sometimes it is difficult to know exactly what to do. But like you said, if you have your your main things, then I think you'll be all right. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Crafted Draft Podcast. That's Pamela Cho. I'm Jacob Chastain. We are two educators down here in the state of Texas doing what we love talking about what we love on this podcast if you enjoy this episode or have enjoyed previous episodes subscribe so you don't miss the episode we drop them every single friday if you want extra content bonus videos bonus training etc etc join us over there on patreon like so many of you do to keep the lights on we don't do ads on this show we let you guys support it so if you want to support this support our work or anything else jump over to patreon we try to make it worth your while we'll be dropping another question bonus episode very soon maybe before this releases but probably after 
So if you hear it, that's it. And then we have another training video to do this month as well. Guaranteed to hit on some things you want to know. But thank you for supporting the show. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for leaving a review if you already have. And know that we are here for you. <laughs>